2: Out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker, thanking you for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, of course. But if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. I'm so excited about our show today, folks, because we finally managed to book David Spaltro, an award-winning independent filmmaker I've wanted to talk with for a long time now. David is here to discuss... A movie called Things I Don't Understand, which is an acclaimed movie gem that's wowing audiences at film festivals everywhere. It's a very powerful film about an intelligent but disturbed young woman who's searching for the important things in life and what happens to us afterwards. Now, he's also going to tell us about his first feature, Around, which is also a very powerful film, and it deals with a young man's struggle to complete film school despite financial and emotional problems. Plus, I hope we find out about his third feature that he's working on now. You know, I'm such a fan of David's films after seeing both of them, and that's why I've been so eager to book him as a guest. So, of course, it's my very great pleasure to say welcome to movie addict headquarters david oh
1: thank you so much for having me it's really a pleasure to be here betty
2: well we're very happy that you could be here and i've got lots of questions for you but first let's check with nikki star to see if she's ready to help with the show nikki are all systems go in the chat room all systems are go and we are ready and so excited to have them here I agree, and I want to thank you and the chatters. We really appreciate the people who sign up to chat, as well as our other listeners. Now, David, I'd like to begin by asking you, what motivated you to make this very uh, powerful, serious film, Things I Don't Understand, which, by the way, I absolutely loved?
1: Oh, thank you so much. Um, It really started... Oddly enough, it started back when I was at film school. I had written um, the the story, Things I Understand, about one woman's struggle uh, to find out what happens after we die and and understanding life and death and and allowing herself to build relationships. And then throughout the film, she forms relationships both with a bartender who lives downstairs, kind of a romantic relationship, and then a young woman Mm -hmm. um, who's dying of cancer. So the scenes that I had written uh, back in film school were sort of just the stuff in the hospice between the two of them talking, and it wasn't really a... A film that wasn't fleshed out yet, um, so I kind of put the pages away, and then after I finished my first film, um, I sort of went back and found those pages and started writing again. I was a little burned out and just going through some stuff, and I kind of put it, it was a cathartic exercise. I wasn't really trying to necessarily make another film or even thinking about that. It was just, oh, okay, I need to get some stuff out, and it just seemed like something to uh, to do. So it was, it was just really it was timing and just finding those pages again.
2: Well, you know, it, it is a Film that's really making its mark on the festival circuit. I, I don't think I can even uh, we even have time on the show to to <laughs> mention been, been all kind of, of the all of the best feature awards. This is some kind of a record, I think. What tell us a little bit about the uh, your experience with that film on the on the festival circuit?
1: Well, we've, we've been on the festival circuit I think almost a year now, uh, mainly over the summer, and I think I did. I mean, we've been in a bunch of festivals all over the place, I think, and I was on tour with it a lot, so I think we did I did something like thirty four cities in three months. Um <sighs> trying, trying along with it, planes, trains, automobiles, sled dogs, all kinds of things. Um and uh we won eleven best features, um and our like our actors or last night in Idlewild, um, we were honored with um, our lead actress Molly Ryman won. I think she's has about five best actresses awards and um the ensemble because things is a very big um collective cast of great talent um they, they won a best ensemble award so we, we've won some acting honors and some some awards all over the place and audiences have been really very um receptive wherever we go whether it's you know midwest or southeast or southwest we've just been it's been playing really well everywhere so it's been a lot of fun and
2: and it's still it's it's still um being uh shown at film festivals am i correct
1: Absolutely. If anybody is in the uh, the OC this Friday in uh, Irvine, California, at the Irvine Film Fest, 3:45 p.m., uh, we're playing in the West Coast, and I think we still have a couple more dates. Uh, mostly, I think international in the new year, but um, I think we still have a few more dates coming up soon.
2: So you're you're very very busy, and I want to congratulate you on on all of the uh, the honors that you that you've won, and I, I know you'll have more that uh, that are coming. But um, when when you talk about things i don't understand it sounds like it could be a real downer but <laughs> but it wasn't it was it wasn't i just um i just felt that you had uh, you added so many uh interesting colorful characters and and uh, some some welcome humor uh, to the film uh so you you were aware that it could have been you know if you if you just kept that 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 uh, seriousness going all the way through that it could have that it could have been a, a downer. Uh, am I right about that?
0: Oh,
1: absolutely, and I think that's kind of the craft of, um, at least for me anyway, and, and the kind of stories that I gravitate towards or that I like um, from other people, is that it's not – I like something that isn't all just one thing. I think one minute you can be laughing and one minute you can be
2: crying and the next
1: minute you can be shocked and appalled, and, and, and I like that kind of a journey. But at the same time, it's honest. It doesn't cheat you. It doesn't just – you know, there's some films that do something to be funny and it doesn't really fit or it's shocking for no reason other than they just, but to, like, honestly just take the audience and involve them with characters, um, especially when you're dealing with themes like death or, or anything hard, like even around hit some very hard issues, um, but you have to lighten it with humor. Um, there's a quote by somebody, I can't remember who it is, but he said, you know, make them feel something, make them, you know, make them cry, make them rip their guts out, but for God's sake, tell a joke. And I think, you know, just giving people a little bit of levity, that makes the moments that are... Um, dark or powerful, that much more powerful because you're not just, you know, getting really precious or hammering them over the head with stuff.
2: Right, right. And I, I appreciated that very much in in this uh, in this film. And I definitely admire the way that you threw in this un, unusual love story for uh, incurable romantics like me. And I appreciated that. I appreciated that very much. And this. Molly Ryman in the in the lead role. No wonder she's won uh, these Best Actress uh, awards. Uh, she is. She just brings such an appealing soulfulness to her uh, her work here. And and the the way way you uh, you must have been in charge of, of the casting. Um, is that correct? That you had the final say over the casting? Yes.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Um, I, I had worked with, um, I mean, you'll remember from around, Molly was in the yeah. first film. And Molly, you know, I, Molly's just a really beautiful person. She's a talented, talented actor, but she's a very, she has this energy about her, and it's, it's her heart. And I think um, for the role of Violet, which when I was writing it after I'd worked with her in my first film, um, you know, part of Molly is very, she's from the Midwest, she's very, very sweet, she's Minnesota, um, and, you know, she's blonde, and, and she was very typecast as the girl next door. She's, you know, she's gorgeous, she's, you know, very light, but, um and I, she'd always talked on the film about wanting to do something darker. Even around, she sort of played um, somebody like the girl next door. And when I was, found these pages again, I was like, oh, this would be a great chance for her to do something and stretch. But what makes that character work, um, Violet and things I don't understand, for me, and why she's perfect for that role, other than just her ability as an actor, is that kind of heart, because you see this character doing these sometimes very awful, self-destructive things, Um and you don't give up on her, you kind of root for her. And I think, you know, there's many actors who are very talented and, and eager to put on like a leather jacket and play that kind of like a cervic, you know, sarcastic character, but um they don't have that, that quality that would that would save the character and Molly had that in space and I think it's just really she really hit it home with the with the role.
2: She did, uh that character that she plays, Violet, had a lot on her a lot on her plate, the loss of a sister her own suicide attempt, the threat of eviction, the sudden appearance of a ghost, and the uncertainty about um, the man that she's, uh, she's kind of fallen for. The uncertain certainty about his feelings for her, and so she she was dealing with all of those with all of those things. And by the way, um, Aaron Matthias, I I believe is the name of the actor who played uh, the love interest yeah. in that. Yeah. And what wonderful chemistry! The, the two had did you do anything special to um to help these actors uh deliver such wonderful performances
1: um I, I mean we do we definitely did some rehearsals and you know they had met each other um molly was already cast and we cast aaron and they sort of read together out of all the actors we saw aaron was aaron fit the role the best but he also he had to get an interesting he brought an interesting response out of molly um in the rehearsal i remember and i was like okay there they will have some fun. Um, you know, it'll it'll work for what we need to do. So I think it was just a lot of just, you know, you start with the script, um, you hire good professional people, and then you know you just you you nurture it and you give them the freedom to kind of um, to make that connection on set and, and allow them to to do it. And they both did a really a really really good job uh, with their parts. And definitely there's definitely fun, interesting chemistry um, between the two of them uh, for the film
2: oh absolutely and the rest of the cast gave them very very strong uh support and uh thank you for for putting in so many colorful characters and uh, those two quirky roommates <laughs> they were they were just great and then and then i i just uh, i can't help uh chuckling every time i think about uh, that performance art scene Cur- Can you? I know we don't want to give away everything about the the movie, but could you tell? Could you tell a little bit? uh, Tell the listeners a little bit about that. uh, Well,
1: there's there's dancing vaginas um, in the movie. (laughs) I think I think it's (laughs) interesting. I can't really spoil it because once you 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 have to see it to believe it. Um, I think you're
2: right.
1: uh, Yeah, though the beasts of the southern wild. Um, they need to be unleashed uh, for people to actually understand what I'm talking about. But there's a a scene in the film that actually comes out of reality where one of the characters is a performance artist. And and one of the subplots of the film is these people are trying to save their rent-controlled loft and raise the money. Um, And so one of them puts on a show. She's very feminist and very kind of quirky, and uh, there are dancing vaginas. Um, But uh, I had seen an actress by (laughs) St. 10 years ago um, inviting me to a show, and I had never seen it before. A very off-off. Off, off Broadway show
0: off was very, off Broadway.
1: that was very similar, very similar, and uh, uh, I never forgot it. And uh, through the help of some amazing people, our, our wardrobe person Beth Kelleher and uh, Amy Forsythe, our makeup person, we uh, we brought dancing designers to life. Um, so. It's
2: really, it's. I mean, it's unbelievable. Really, you do have to see. You do have to see it, but, but I it's can, very, Can't do
1: it justice until you see it. <laughs> you know, so we'll, we'll, it'll be a for everybody to come and see it.
2: <laughs> yeah. and and then to you know to have to have a scene like that in in this movie that's so profound you know so serious and so so pro, profound it was a little bit uh shocking and my inner church lady sometimes reacts negatively to these things but yeah. I I just thought that was that was perfect for this uh, film and and you did a great job of casting the role of Sarah the uh, uh, ballet dancer, the, the former ballet dancer who's uh, dying of cancer, uh, Grace Folsom, I believe, is that is that uh, actress's name. Uh, yeah. Where did you find uh, find uh, Grace?
1: Um, I mean, it was just the best bit of fortuitous luck I've ever had. She um, submitted videos. We we were we were doing some casting, other than the people we already kind of knew were going to be part of it from our last film. And Grace, um, she had just graduated from NYU. That's the first thing she's really done um outside of some shorts and things um and she was amazing she sent us a web video um where she does the scene in the hospice where she sort of gets honest about her feelings about dying this beautiful monologue that you know i'm, I'm sitting there yes. watching it's a skype video it's just a webcam thing and it was amazing and um i brought her in and she's so sweet in real life and she's so young and eager and she's like uh she's like a cute little muppet you know in life and so to see that and then have her sit in her room and go within two seconds into this character and, and saying these things and being so emotional, um, she blew us away. We were all in the room just like, oh, my God, she's perfect, and, and we were very quiet. And later on in set, she said, you know, you guys are so quiet. I really didn't think you were going to cast me. I thought you didn't like me. And I said, you know, that's us grown men trying not to, like, sob openly in front of you. She was so um, just amazing, just really, really, and she's going to be even better. Like, that's, she's so young, so talented.
2: Yes, I think that she has a lot uh, a lot of potential. Well, what did you enjoy most uh, about making this movie, David?
1: Um, you know, making the film, the actual process of making the film was very difficult in that I was really pushing myself after um, around. Um, I, I saw this as like a second chance to do another film and and just all the, just to take it up a notch. Um, and we were still doing it for the same budget, um, under $200,000, and um, just oh. know, shooting a Shooting a film in twenty days um twenty sometimes very long eighteen hour days um doing a year of free production um and just just really pushing myself to get it right um i really i I think it's the hardest thing I've ever done so the, that and and you know I lo- and I love the collaboration with people I had maybe the best crew and cast and just great people involved in the film for the most part that just made it you know that that that, 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 that and the love made it really something special to watch uh, but my, I think my favorite part has actually just been um Taking it around, um, just it—it it was good for the soul um, to see. You know, you spend so many years of your life doing something with these people, and then you kind of get this tunnel vision of just completing a task, and then to take it around and see how people respond to it and, and affect people in similar and different ways, um, and then just to have the people who worked on it get the acclaim—the actors, um, the crew—and being noticed, you know, noticed for their work and, and what they did. Something so special, you know, for so little. That—that um, that to me has been the best part. I think.
2: And um I can see that you really you really have, have enjoyed that part of it and, and what did you find was your biggest challenge when you were making the movie?
1: Um, for me I think it's just trying to find that balance, especially when you're working on a low budget, um, with compromise and, and trying to make sure you get what you need, um and also making logical sacrifices or or cut or things that you have to do to achieve the overall best goal. Um, you know, it, can we cut this scene? Um, can we not do it this way? Um, that actor's not available. We have to you know, just thinking on the fly, really planning, but also knowing when to put up a fight for something. There's a scene that um, in the beginning of the film where the main character's walking through a beautiful church, and we found that church the, the night before the last day of shooting. Um whole shoot was like, it needs to be a church. It needs to be a church. We could have shot in a very tiny little chapel um, and I was like, no, it, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, this beautiful Gothic thing but it has to, It just it, we need pews, we need, and it's something I fought for it's, You know, we didn't have the money or the resources um, and the night before we found this beautiful, like better than I could have ever imagined um, that we could have ever gotten and we shot it and that's that's the case of me saying, no, we have to do this a certain way um, even though, you know, all logic is like, is it really important or, you know, so you have to know when to kind of, for me that that's really the I think the hardest part is just trying to get the best uh, when you don't have all the resources.
2: And that of course is is always a, a challenge with the um uh budget being so low. And uh, tell me again, um uh, how how much uh you, this movie costs to make.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean our shooting budget was maybe like with one sixty five, one seventy and then um after post um the whole film. By the time we were done, it was maybe like two hundred. Um, so, I mean, to, to shoot it, you shot under under you know, under two hundred
0: thousand dollars.
2: Wow! And and when you contrast that to the, the millions of dollars that are spent on on mainstream mainstream movies, and uh, I mean, that's that's just amazing that you were able to make a movie of this high quality um, with uh, the two hundred thousand dollars budget. Well, when will the general public have access to things I don't understand.
0: Well,
1: we're working with some sales agents right now. We took the film, the American uh, film market, uh, in November. So we're waiting to hear back from a few distributors on um, when and how you'll be able to see the film. But by late spring, early summer, we should be available in in, in a couple different formats, iTunes, uh, Netflix, Um, just will be available very soon. Um, And, I mean, the best part is people have already been building a buzz as we've been taking it to all these different places and you know people saw it they want to see it again they want their friends to see it so um, we've definitely been uh, we've had like a mini theatrical release in a way um, kind of taking it to all these different places um, across the country over the summer so it's going to be a lot of fun to be able for everybody to be able to to see it and see it again
2: oh i i just uh, hope that uh more and more people can can get to see it and um i i'm I think that the word of mouth on this uh, film is so important, and I'm so glad that you're doing such a great job of uh, getting people aware of it on your uh, Facebook in, uh, page because that's that's where I'm keeping up with your with your activity. So I encourage I encourage listeners <laughs> to check out David Spalzo on uh, on Facebook. And I want to turn now to the first of your movies that I saw, which was your first movie and of course i fell in love with uh with around because it was all about my favorite subject movie making movies and the love of yeah. film and the love of filmmaking and you had one of the most uh, charming <laughs> riveting actors in your lead role and i think maybe he was playing you <laughs> and by the name of rob evans where did you get rob evans he was just stunning in this film
0: i, I don't know if i've ever
1: told this story on an interview but um, rob i actually met through a friend of mine who was a bartender that he was going out with at the time um, i met rob um, stumbling out of a bar at three in the morning playing football in a blizzard in new york city um,
2: oh,
1: which is, no. <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is, I'm not sure that's how Scorsese sounds, De Niro, or anybody else like that. But um, uh, And then later on, like, I became friends with him. And when I decided I was making a film, he really wanted to audition. And uh, at first I was like, you know, uh, I don't know, it, not just physically, but I don't know if um, personality-wise there's a person who is maybe more different, not even in a bad way, but just completely opposite um, to, to myself than Rob. And the character is definitely very based on me, or at least me, at a certain age in my life. I and Rob is, oh, I'm from Jersey City, and a fast-talking, you know. And Rob is from Alabama and speaks very, you know, slowly and, and kind of this very, you know, it's, it's a completely different mindset. So, at first, I was like, uh, you know, I didn't know what I could cast him as, and um, he was cool enough to help us when we were auditioning um, the actresses, like Molly, who we eventually cast, and, and other actors. He came in and read the part with them to help out with auditions, and when we had, when one of the actors. Didn't show up We had some free time So I said You know what Rob Why don't you just read This role And just, we'll just see Oh my and he gosh helped. And he killed it And he worked so hard And um, his ability As an actor um, And his ability To like work with the script And really put a lot into it That's just him As a performer um, It's a really great It's a really great performance Because he's so um, Completely opposite Of that You know It's it's very It's interesting And it's interesting To see a variation Of yourself um, Played by somebody Who you know in real life Is completely
0: uh, opposite. Um, well, it was, it was he really... has
2: uh, you. You put uh, you really uh, made a wise decision when you when you put him in this in this movie because he has uh, appealing good looks and what a wonderful speaking voice and he certainly knows how to make the most of of those of those gifts. He's kind of one of those actors who seems to uh, inhabit completely the character being portrayed and and so we really care what happens to him and uh, so that means we cares about what happens to you I guess and I when I was watching this this film I was so worried when his mother and by the way played by the great Bernice Mosca when she berates him I would just get so worried while I while I watched her do that and then when he loses his financial aid I just was so angry <laughs> And then, and then I became very, very concerned when he decides to make Penn Station his home. Now, dear listeners, that's that part of the movie. It's it's just priceless. Where Doyle is the is the main character's name, Doyle Sims, and uh, so that so that's where he lives. And. Uh, then things perked up when Doyle starts up a friendship with this uh, homeless friend, and that was Ron Bryce, I think, who played uh, who played the yeah, homeless Ron, friend. Yeah, Ron Bryce, sure he did. Yeah, he was so. he was really great, and meets a lovely wannabe actress. Of course, that's Molly Ryman, the wonderful Molly Ryman, uh, who appears to have feelings for him. But you really drew me in. To that uh, to that situation, and uh, I couldn't help feeling I didn't know you at the time, anything about you at the time, but just by seeing the movie, I felt certain that what was happening on screen mirrored someone's actual experiences. So now you're fessing up to that, right?
1: Oh yeah, I mean I I think that was always kind of people knew about it. Um, they, you know, to say I I always say that it's um, autobiographical, not an autobiography, because it's a film you condense characters and, you know, it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's very, um, it's, and it's only years after making it. Um, I hadn't seen it in a very long time. Um, cause I, you, 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 once you start creating something, you, um, you kind of remove yourself from it. So even things in there that are extremely personal, but now I watch, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I, you know, it's wince worthy <laughs> that I put it in there. Um, it, it, it affects me in a different way, um, being older and removed from it. But, um, you know, it, it yeah, it's, it's it's such an accurate you now that I look at it, a, a capture of that time and place in my life um, and well, the people I knew and things. Yeah,
2: you were brave. You were brave to brave to do that and to share your sure. share your story with us. I, I I want to thank you very much for for doing that. And I of course I was concerned about the dysfunctional mother son connection, and um, I. I thought that had a lot to do with your main character's difficulty in, you know, becoming the person he wants wants to be and um I hope every everything is working is working out for you now. I don't wanna to get too personal here because you, know, you put think, so much think, of yourself out on the screen in in a round. But is that movie available any place where where the general public can see it?
1: Yeah, we, we were streaming on Netflix for a while, and I think we'll be back on. They're, they're working out the new contract, but we're still available on Amazon Video On Demand. You can see us in regular HD. Um, you can rent us, I think, for like
0: $2,
1: or you can purchase the film and download for about um, 7 or $8. So we're on Amazon, oh, good. Yeah, if good. you look up uh, David's David voucher or around on uh, Amazon, you'll find us.
2: Well, I, I encourage listeners to around because you won't be sorry especially if you uh love movies and uh, you want to know a little bit about p- other people who love movies in fact i i titled my review of around what he did for love because <laughs> i think that's just ex- yeah. yeah did you were you were you okay with that title for that review <laughs> I thought it was
1: really. I, I think I remember that review as being one of my favorite um, that I read because you, you, there's a couple of points you brought up that um, that I I really thought nobody else had noticed and I and I can't exactly remember what they were, um, but especially that title I thought because to me the film is I call these some little valentines to New York, and they are yeah. you know uh, the things and around they're they're not straight sequels to each other but they're 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 very much based in the same world and in some ways you know things I don't understand. While it's not on the outside as autobiographical as say Around is, which is very much okay. I came to film school and I did this thing. Um, Things is extremely um, personal, and it's it's even more um, personal and autobiographical within the realm of different characters than Around because I was it was what I was going through at that exact time and place. Where Around was, even when I did it, I was still a few years removed from it. Um, So I I think you know what he did for love. Everything I do um, has love in it for me. I think um, a great teacher I had, Lisa Eichhorn, who plays a therapist in things that. Oh, yes, it.
2: and very well, too.
1: Yeah, she's an amazing actor. I had a great career. She, you know, she's a teacher of mine at SBA, and she told me, you know, um, love is the answer no matter what the question. And so it's, it's a philosophy that I've tried to kind of live my life by and and work and create by, too, whether it's the love you put into your work, the time, the effort, but even it's just with the people you work with and, and showing them you know trust and uh giving them the platform and then honoring their work and making sure it's appreciated um it's every and so i think that title it, yeah it, it fit really well for me
2: well i I agree with that philosophy wholeheartedly and um uh... It sure does shine through in your in your work. And now I'm so eager to find out about your uh, new movie, which is part of what you're calling the Valentine's trilogy. Can you tell <laughs> tell us a little bit about about uh, what you're working on now, or your latest film?
0: Sure,
1: uh, we're working on a couple different things, but the film that I'm really interested in doing next is a is a film called Wake Up in New York. Um, and if if, if around is about a young man coming to New York City and trying to find a home and and me at a certain age, and things with kind of that middle ground 20s, um, you think you have it figured out and that everything falls apart um, and very philosophical. Wake up in New York is sort of that next phase. Um, I, I'm, I'm turning 30 in a week. Uh, and uh, I've been, yeah. No. Happy I, birthday. I'm, thank you. It's still, it's still very young, but um, it's, it's very much more about that next phase and reflection. Um, it's just the love story between two people, a writer and a young woman, I'm um, going to be working with an actress named Lynn Justinger who had a small part in things I understand. She's an amazing, amazing actress. Um, but after working, the same way that I, when I worked with and around with Molly, it was like, okay, um, I've got to find something for her. She's she's going to play the young woman. Um, but it's basically a reflection of the relationship they have over 10 years um, in New York City, um, finding each other, um, losing each other, coming into in each other's different lives. But it's also about what it means to create and the choices we make uh new York versus l a and there's even a little bit of a sci fi twist so um oh. we're, yeah we're going to be playing around with a lot of i, I don't i don't make it easy on myself thematically, but we're gonna be trying to do um something really really special to kind of wrap up this whole little um New york trilogy of uh of love and uh and experience
2: oh it sounds uh, sounds very interesting and very uh david ish Which means that they're probably, except when you put in the sci-fi. Well, you did. Well, there was a ghost. Yeah, there was a ghost. So, sci-fi. But, but your movies, David, are um, the target audience. Really, would be people who are looking for something deeper, and more profound than car chases and special effects. And um, I hope you keep. I hope you keep that up because there's there's so many other filmmakers that that's the only thing that they're interested in uh, in making. So I'm I'm a little worried about the sci-fi part here. Will you calm me down and and give me a little oh, yeah, bit more no, of a I, hint? I
1: think, it, it, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. It's you know after we did these films and some of the claim opportunities that I've been offered to do other stuff that isn't uh, from my own creation, people are really you know, do a horror movie do this because of the commercial prospects or because it's what everybody's doing and, and I'm not against that. I think, you know, if I had a really good idea for a horror film or something else, I'd be happy to do it. Um story and character are always important to me. Um so for me, even the sci fi thing, it's 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 gonna make sense. It's gonna it's still about at the end of the day, if I made a film about people on the spaceship or if I made a film about people in the Revolutionary War or there was dancing vaginas or a dog, it's still gonna have <laughs> art. It's still gonna have it's still going to be coming from a place um, that I'm trying to say something. Whatever, whatever is going on inside of me, whatever it is I feel like I want to say with my voice, that's going to be there. So, so you know, maybe I'll do a horror movie or a western someday or something else, but it will still be. That's why one of my favorite directors is Billy Wilder. Um, Billy Wilder with The Apartment, which is my favorite film. And, you know, he did Sunset Boulevard and Double Indemnity and Some Like It Hot. And, they're, they're, you know, you'd look at these films and they – they all have his voice and his signature. Great characters, great story, but they're genreless. Like each one is a completely different genre, and that's something that, like, to me, it's just it's storytelling. You know, so whatever the story is, whatever genre it fits into, you know, as long as it's got a solid core, that's what I'm interested in.
2: Well said, and I I like the fact that you've uh, that you've mentioned Billy Wilder because uh, you're right. He had films. You know, the as you mentioned, of the various genres, and he was able to to put uh, heart and, and humanity into them. So um, so I'm going to stop worrying about you if you make a sci-fi <laughs> movie or a horror movie
1: <laughs> or a western. Trust, you trust can me, think. Betty. Trust me. It'll be okay.
2: <laughs> I'm going to trust you. I'm definitely going to trust you. Well, um I'm going to ask you uh, some personal things here that I hope hope you don't mind uh, being asked. Why why yes. did you decide to become a filmmaker? I'm glad that you did, but what what brought you to that decision?
1: Um, I I really I think I just always wanted to tell stories when I was very young. Um, I wrote and doodled, and I, at one point I think I I fancied the notion of um, being a graphic novelist or doing comic books. Um, oh. And I sketching. I just I couldn't do it all the time, and I wasn't. it just wasn't something i could do professionally um so film what i love about film i think what i I know i didn't know i would actually be a filmmaker that i could do it until after we did the first film i went to film school but i still wasn't sure um is that it's collaborative um in that you know you're, you're telling a story but you're getting to work with it's not just you in a blank page as a writer um you're working with actors you're working with crew people um and 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 you're problem solving and being a leader and it's something that um it, it just inspires me working with the people and, and what they bring to it and, and how you kind of shape everything. It's just, there's no feeling like it's the only time I ever feel like I know exactly what I'm doing is when I'm on set. It just, it, it makes sense to me.
2: Oh, well, well then you have found, you've definitely found your, found your calling. Do, do you have any advice for wannabe filmmakers? Because we have quite a few listeners um, on Movie Addict headquarters who are wannabe filmmakers. So what, what would you like to uh, tell them?
1: Um, you know, there's a million different things you could say. I would say, other than the the classic don't give up, is, is find something you really want to say, a story you really want to tell. Uh, but more importantly, find your voice. Because at the end of the day, I think there really are only like five or six stories you can tell. And is, mm-hmm. the, it's how you tell it. And um, much like a good joke, the way like the same joke somebody can tell it and it's hysterical. And somebody can tell the exact same joke and kill it and not make it very funny. It's, it's timing. You have to find your voice and, and make your own mistakes. You know, someone will tell you this is the right way to do. Listen to everybody, get advice, but, but really find your way of doing something and, and and then swing for the fences. Once you once you decide you're gonna do it, um don't you know just leap. Leap leap and do it and, and keep pushing. Uh, but find definitely definitely find your own particular voice and story you want to tell.
2: Well that's that's very very good advice and um I, I do like the idea of the of the you know finding your your own voice and your, and and telling the story that you want to that you want to tell and doing something that that you love and of course uh if if you had to find something to fall back on you could always do some boxing <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, could, I, could always, I could become an underground fighter. I feel like that's uh, right. That's well, a I
2: I, so. I saw this about you, and I was so surprised because uh, looking at your films, you know, I I didn't uh, I didn't see David Spaltrow as an avid boxer with training in Aikido, Braz- Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Taekwondo, and Wushu. I don't even know what wush- what Wushu is. Uh, how did that's you get involved cool. in the, in those? Um, it's, it's,
1: uh, I, I've always liked, um, physical activities, um, and I think that, uh, for, for training purposes and just, you know, um, boxing in particular, I think it's an art form. It's not just people hitting each other. It's great cardio. It's, um, but more importantly, it, 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 it teaches you interesting life lessons because one of the things in boxing that a coach once told me was about, you know, if you're in a, if you're, you know, sparring with somebody, people's instincts to initially just put their hands over their face or, or when people are throwing punches at you to kind of back into a corner. And you're not supposed to do that. You have to be willing to kind of lean forward and, and take the occasional punch um, and wait for an opening. And that's life. You know, I think when life throws you curves or, or obstacles or things, um, your initial reaction sometimes is to retreat or to close yourself off or to, you know, just avoid, avoid being hit. And I think um, every once in a while, part of life is taking a hit and and then getting and moving forward and, and, and but staying focused and you know not not panicking. And I think that was what always that and, and just the disciplines of those and other martial arts um and it you know, not as a as a one man warrior machine but as um as a kind of philosophy, um, I, I find very interesting and appealing.
2: Well I that's that I never thought of it that way. And that makes that does make perfect sense. Do you think you would ever use uh, any martial arts in any of your movies?
0: Um,
1: only if an actor really makes me angry. I've decided from now on, I'm just going to start kicking and punching people. Um no, I, <laughs> I, I think you know. I, I love. I mean, that's the, the thing is. I love. You know. I don't know if um, I, I I could personally do um, an action film. I think I would love to try if I found a really good story and the right and the right team of people who. You know, knew how to pull that stuff off. the right camera people, the right you know choreographer. Um, I think it'd be really fun, but I um, I, I don't know if it's necessarily um, something that I that you know I would have to find the right story and the right people. Um, so, but I think it definitely would be fun to try. I love watching them. I think they're they're when they're done well, they're done. Kind of art i do you
2: know? like I do like that too to watch the watch the martial arts well, I know you're involved in some other projects, and I wanted to give you a chance to um to talk about uh them so uh so go ahead
1: yeah thank you um i mean we're we're right now as we're getting things out um we're developing my partner Lee Gillenton and I um we're sort of developing a couple of different ideas um one is a biopic of a scientist named Jack Parsons, who is this crazy wow. guy thirties and forties Pasadena he kind of invented modern rocket science and he he had this double life where he was an occult practitioner. Um, L. Ron Hubbard stole his wife and his money. He blew himself up. I mean, it's a crazy story that nobody knows because was kind of written out of the history books. You know, people should actually know him like Edison or Einstein. Um, and they don't. Now more people are starting to find out about it. It's just this fascinating. You know, and, and part of what I gravitate towards him is because it's like, just much like around, this guy had a dual life. I kind of really relate to this like, you know, this is the idea of being this one, not being one thing, you know, being these two completely separate things that in many ways on the outside but like they would conflict, you know, being a scientist and a magician. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time if when you actually get into the story and, and read about him and his psychology, like how they actually kind of worked with each other and kind of influenced each other and in positive ways, you know, but he was also very damaged and fragile and kind of went down a darker path after some people took advantage of him. So it's an interesting story. Um and, and you know just, just one just was opportunity. Right. We're trying to also have other people who have um scripts um, sort of expanding the brand um, and helping them with our experience after the two films get their projects off the ground and then and, and not only just make them and find funding, um, but also what happens next, how to distribute, how to take them to festivals, how to promote. Um, so just really kind of expanding.
2: Well, that uh, Six and Rockets, the occult world of Jack Parsons, what a fascinating project to be involved in. So I hope you'll keep us uh, posted on that and also about uh, wake up because um i uh well i know that you will because if we go to facebook we'll know we'll know what you're up to so we're we're going to definitely do that i i think this is a good time to check with nikki for a chat report um nikki are there any comments or questions from chatters you'd like to share with david I think Nikki is having some technical difficulties, but I do notice that there have been um, a number of guests uh, in the chat room, and I want to thank them for being with us and um, for for participating. And I, I can't believe that the time has gone by so fast. You've just been such a wonderful guest, David. I. I'm glad that we finally got together, and will you come back when you have another project you'd like to talk about?
1: I would absolutely love to. Whenever you want me, I'm there.
2: Oh, we'll look forward to that, but it's time to wrap things up now. This is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Block Talk Radio for their support and to Nikki Starr for all her help. Thanks again to David Spaltro as well as to our chatters and other listeners. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. I know I sure did. Please come back next time to hear author and editor Barry Monish talk about his new volume of Screen World, and about the recent Oscar nominations. Barry is always a fun guest, so it should be an entertaining and enlightening show. In the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at RealtalkReviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, RealtalkReviews.com. My reviews of Around and Things I Don't Understand can be found on that site. That's all for now, folks. So here's Brian Ferry to take us out With the favorite song of many, many movie addicts. I'll give you a hint. It's from Casablanca, and I'm sure you know the one I mean.
0: Remember this A kiss is still a kiss A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental things apply As time goes by And when two lovers move They still say I love you On that you can rely No matter what the future brings As time goes by Moonlight and love songs Never out of date Hearts full of passion Jealousy and hate needs man and man must have his name that no one can deny It's still the same old story, a fight for love and glory a case to do or die The world will always welcome lovers as time Story. I fight for love and glory. I can't...